Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast and a brand new guest who I was... Complimenting profusely, I guess we could say before we started recording. Um, it, Jenny, you and I, Jenny Losi is here with me, and Jenny, you and I have not had the opportunity to meet in person before. Uh, just kind of out of the blue, I reached out to you. I was like, "Oh my word, your work is gorgeous! Can we chat on the book of podcast?" And you were gracious enough to do that today. So thank you once again. Oh no, that gives me chills. That makes me so happy. Thanks for having me. Well, and right off the bat, I'm going to tell everybody you need to go check out Jenny's work. It, and, and I was saying this to Jenny before we started recording, but it's not very often that I come across photographers' work that really captures my attention. It draws me in, and in this case, it really did. So you're going to want to go check out Jenny's work. First of all, on Instagram, if you go to Jenny Losey, it's J E N N Y L O S E E with a little underscore at the end, and we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, you can see Jenny's work on Instagram. And then, uh, of course, it's Jenny Losey, just like I spelled it out, JennyLosey.com. And we'll also put that in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. We're going to actually get into how you developed your photographic style today, Jenny, which is not something we talk a whole lot about here on the podcast. So uh, we'll get to those details in just a second. But we're going to actually start off with a common question here on the podcast, which is about brand position. And for anybody listening in who doesn't know what brand position is, we're simply talking about the unique, what is hopefully unique, uh, but certainly the value proposition that one's business offers to their marketplace. So how would you sum that up for your business, Jenny? Well, I would say it's natural, organic photography. Um, I really like to inspire it by nature. I capture a lot of emotion that just comes out really raw. And yeah. Yeah. I think um, my mission statement is to capture the beauty of living in natural art. So it always tries to come back to that. Interesting. Capture the beauty of living in natural art. Is that right? Yeah. I like that. And it really does sum up what I'm seeing in your work on your website and Instagram. Uh, and we're going to talk in more detail for everybody listening and about how Jenny came up with that style in just a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and jump to the next question because we have a lot to cover. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner. And by the way, how long have you been in business? Almost 10 years. Wow. Okay. And what so, marketplace are you based in? I'm in Boise, Idaho. Okay, cool. So in the I travel too, so. Ah, okay. So you mix it up a bit. Oh, yeah. But 10, 10 years in business, though, you have a lot of experience. So I'm, I'm curious... As much as we talk about customer service, you know, as business owners and the significance of it, I, I like to get individual business owners' perspective about customer service and what they feel has made the most impact in their business. What has that been for you? Um, I think a lot of communication, uh, planning as much as you possibly can before a shoot or before a wedding has been huge. And then fine tuning that as I go along. So, um, even throwing in just like, if it rains, what do we do? You know, like plan B stuff as much communication as possible. And, and then just letting the clients talk to me about any of their concerns. Mainly it's, 
um, they're a little bit nervous in front of the camera. And there yeah. are so many people that are just like, I'm timid. I don't want to do this. I'm not professional. So just kind of walking them through that beforehand has been really helpful so that they can come in with confidence because I think that's the second biggest thing is just that if we give them enough information and then they can come in with confidence, then I think it's just flowy and good to go. Yeah. Well, I, and I, you highlight something which should be pretty basic and should be pretty straightforward and should be something that all business owners are doing consistently. But it's that idea of proactively managing expectations through good communication that really can help set people at ease. I mean, even for myself still as a business owner, being cognizant of these ideas, I go to try to use a service. And if I am not immediately clear about how it is that I go about using that service, it's going to throw me off a little bit. Now I have to do a little bit of extra work to try to search and see what that process is. We should make it easy for our clients or potential clients, just lay it all out there for them so that they're not confused and it helps sets their mind at ease. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For a long time, I was just kind of like, oh, it's a photo shoot, you know, like show up, you guys are great. I don't want to force it too much, but it ends up being less forced, I feel, when you can kind of be like, hey, here are some colors that would look amazing in this area, or here's what we're going to do as a plan B if your wedding timeline doesn't work the way that we thought. Just anything, like any sort of plan Bs. And then, yeah, just putting out any information that you've gathered throughout all of these years because you're the professional, you know, like you know what you're doing. And these other people, they don't think about this. They're just like, oh, I'd love a picture of us. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, they don't realize what all goes into it. You're right. Do you, when you talk about communication, is there a particular method of communication that you've found works best for your clients? Or is it a combination of, you know, text message, email, Facebook messenger, whatever it might be? Like what, what has worked best for you and your clients? Uh, for me personally, it's just been email, but mainly phone call. Okay. Uh, that gets a lot of information done. And People don't feel silly typing. Well, they might feel silly like typing out like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, but they might just kind of slip that in there in a phone call, mm, <laughs> you know? Okay. Um, so you get a lot more of organic conversation like that, I think, during a phone call. And you can just go over tons of information in a little amount of time. And you can, before a shoot, you usually haven't met. And so you can kind of feel each other out a little bit vocally as well. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you're a young photographer. A lot of, if not most photographers, your age are, I guess, just defaulting to whatever text communication that they can. It's convenient. Um, Many photographers consider themselves introverted. Why have you kind of been drawn to phone call? I mean, has that always been the case that you enjoy getting on the phone and having an actual conversation? I'm a huge fan of the idea. I'm just curious your perspective on it. <laughs> That's funny you ask. I am super introverted and I get really nervous before phone calls. Like I have to do like a whole like superhero pose to be like, hey, <laughs> don't be weird. <laughs> just be organic because I can definitely go off on ten- tangents after I've had a couple cups of coffee and I'm just like, oh. Wish I could take that back. (laughs) But no, I think it's been really hard for me, but it's always helpful for me to have kind of like a list of things that I'd like to talk about beforehand. And then, yeah, just use that as a reference to go back to rather than just calling and being like, so, hey. (laughs) So do you think that your tendency to go on, on tangents is that nervousness or do you just enjoy conversation really in the end? What do you think that is? Oh, it's total nervousness. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and where do you think that, and I'm, I'm curious, because we, we actually do talk quite a bit about this idea of introversion on the podcast, and largely because it is so commonplace in our industry, and it's certainly something that I've experienced personally, so I can relate. But 
Um, I also think there's something to, I mean, and you're a, a wonderful example of it, despite the so-called introversion, not letting yourself get stuck in that box and instead being intentional, being proactive and actually having a conversation, despite your nerves, um, with your clients because it has actual benefit. What have you always felt that you were introverted and, and what has enabled you to kind of step beyond that and, and really shoot for the value that comes from those phone conversations? Well, I did notice that um, I was kind of getting ghosted quite often when I was emailing and I was like, there has to be a better way. And hmm. so I was talking with my friend who's a florist and she said, I just don't know who you are on this um, and this email. And so if you had anything, like if you had a video of yourself or just did something beyond what other people are doing, maybe it would stick a little bit better. And so I was like, oh my gosh, genius. Yes. It's scary because they're hiring you. They're not just hiring like a brand. It's like my name, Jenny sure. Losey. They're hiring me as a person. So yeah. I think that's why I, I like to hide behind email or text or whatever, because it is really vulnerable. Like they're high. It, it's easy to take it really personal. Hmm. Yeah. But, and yet you, again, you've demonstrated the significance of stepping beyond that, which um, I think just speaks to the wonderful power of making a decision and doing something because, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're lucky <laughs> enough in, in 2020, uh, most probably everybody listening in, we're, we're in some sort of position where we have the, the seeming luxury of sitting around and kind of overanalyzing things and we get stuck in our head and that keeps us from being, being proactive, from getting things done. And again, I'll raise my hand there because I'm certainly guilty of that a million times over. Uh, but I, I guess I'm kind of preaching to myself even in this and, and certainly encouraging everybody listening in. There is something to be said for, for just stop analyzing or overthinking things and just simply doing. Sure, we might have a feeling of introversion. Sure, we might have a feeling of nerves, but we're going to do anyway. And what's interesting about just simply doing something is on the other side of that, many times we realize, first of all, it really wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. And there's significant benefit that we find as a result of being proactive. So I have to give you props, but I also have to say thank you for being a great example and a reminder for all of our listeners and myself that we just sometimes need to step beyond uh, that little box that we live in, that little label that we've given ourselves, uh, because there's a lot of benefit on the other side. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're up there directing people anyway as a photographer if you're shooting portraits, you know. So you had to step out of that box once at least to stand behind the camera and direct, which sure. is kind of scary, you know? So, yeah. It, um, yeah, I think once you do it and once you dive in, you're like, Oh, it's not that bad. Like, okay, keep doing it. Absolutely. Talk to me about time. You mentioned before we get started that you have a newborn. So you, you've got your hands full and you're <laughs> juggling that with a business, friends, family, et cetera. Like how do you, is there a particular, I guess, workflow technique or tip that you can give to our listeners that's made a difference for you and being able to manage your time more effectively? Well, that's a super good question because I'm still trying to figure it out with a baby. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, it's usually like, okay, he's napping and I feel inspired, so I'm going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's mainly in the morning. I'm always a little bit more motivated and inspired fresh in the morning. Um, but yeah, uh, with everything going on too, it's kind of helped a little bit hmm. because you can't really hang out with people as much. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not having to juggle that along with it. but Well, you know, it's funny. Yeah. You mentioned the nap time and the mornings in particular. And I actually just this week helped my son 
Um, I have two kids, and my my oldest, I just helped him move into college. And I I can still remember when he was little and how I just, I I was so, I guess, jealous of, if you will, the second nap, because he would take two naps when he was younger. He would take two naps a day. One was like in the morning time and then another in the afternoon. And I just didn't want to lose that that second nap. And he finally grew out of it. But it was like, oh, that extra nap gives me extra quiet time. I can you know get things done that I want to. Um, so I totally understand what you mean, looking for those opportunities during nap time to get some work done. And I mean, sometimes, it, again, it's just as simple as capitalizing on that opportunity, getting something done, and then moving on. And I'm actually curious, this is a segue to something I don't ask a lot of photographers, but how many hours a week would you say it takes you to actually run your business? Like if you're on top of things and how many weddings are you shooting in a year, roughly? Uh, 10 to 15. Okay. So 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. weddings a year. How many hours a week do you think it actually takes you to run your business shooting 10 to 15 weddings a year? In peak season. So like September, October, that area, I would say uh, probably like 50 hours. It's quite a bit. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. So what do you think takes up the majority of that time? I think a lot of it is pre-planning, like just communicating with the brides and making sure that they're good. And then a big part of my work that I don't really tell a lot of people because I'm not sure, (laughs) not sure how I feel about it. But um, I do a lot of meditation around the photo shoot or the wedding beforehand. So I'll envision every single step of it before I actually take the pictures and really just like spend time doodling in my notebook and just kind of making shot lists and thinking about exactly what's going to happen. And then that again, like plan A, plan B, like if it's sunny, here's what we'll do. And if it's rainy, here's what we'll do. And I know that he's kind of shorter than her. So here's what we're going to do about that. You know, like the list goes on of all these different things. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time really gathering all of the details. Wow. Okay. What? First of all, I'm I'm thinking. You know, your work stands out to me, and I and I can't necessarily put my finger on exactly why or what's making the difference. We're going to get into some of the details because I am curious. But already, I'm learning. There's something that is quite different that you do, and and I don't think you should hesitate to share it. I think it's a really interesting concept. Meditation around that wedding day that you're about to photograph. I can imagine that it would like in the moment as things may seem chaotic around you, having taken the time to pre-visualize what that day would look like, maybe see various scenarios and how you would work through them enables you to maintain a certain level of calm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And even if something kind of catches me off guard, I'm like, oh, okay, I have enough to work off of that this doesn't scare me. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. Okay, so do you, if you don't mind me asking, do you meditate outside of that particular meditation practice? I mean, just for yourself personally? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's been a big part of my work as well. Um, I was going to tell you, one of my favorite books was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, I know it's not a photography book, but it's like such an awakening your life's purpose book. Yeah that has really transformed a lot and it all weaves in together with your business, you know, like um, communicating with people, creating those relationships, knowing what you want and where you're going. And, um, and then the meditation part comes in with that as well. Like envisioning what you want before you have it. Oh, I love how you just kind of weave that into the conversation. Is that, would you say that's probably one of the most impactful books that you've had the opportunity to, to read in the last few years? 
Yeah. And I was hesitant to tell you that as well, because (laughs) it's not like a real photography book, but it's been definitely the most impactful. Oh, I, I think it's wonderful. Actually, one of the most popular or popular, at least most talked about books here on the podcast, because I don't stop talking about it, is one called The Untethered Soul. Have you heard of that before? Yes. Mm, have yes. you have you had the opportunity, language? Have you had the opportunity to read it? Yes. OK, so you're familiar. So, yeah, I mean, we this is I, I think really at the root of running. I mean, certainly being a, a good human being, one who is constantly striving to be better. Uh, but then also being a good photography business owner is understanding and really having a solid grasp of uh, healthy philosophy, thought processes that enable us to then go do the things, right? But I, I think it's really important to get to the root level philosophy to begin with. And so, uh, you know, this book by Toll and and Michael Singer as well, I mean, these things really can make a big difference in our lives as a whole. And so I think it's important we discuss them and we'll make sure to put both of them in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. And actually, Jenny, for your reference and certainly for everybody listening in, um, Haley, who produces our show, she has actually put together a really cool resource. If you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, um, it's kind of a library of, of the most popular books that have been mentioned here in the you know 400 plus episodes on the podcast. So everybody listening in, you can go check that out to bocabookshelf.com. You know what? This is just a great segue into the conversation about your photographic style, Jenny. And um, you know, this is kind of a funny thing, too, just to kind of build on what I said earlier. I honestly don't normally put a ton of weight on photographic style or editing style because on an objective level, I realize that most clients aren't, it's not a make or break deal for them when it comes to whether or not they're going to hire me as a photographer. I shot weddings for over 10 years myself um, and certainly not a make or break point of conversation when it comes to making sure that they're actually happy in the end. I think a lot of times photographic style, editing style, it is a talking point more amongst photographers than it is photographers and clients. And some clients, it, it is more important to. Um, but when we're looking at kind of the bigger picture, it's not something that I personally anyway have put a lot of emphasis in on. And despite that, uh, I was still drawn to your photographic style. And I think it's a combination of the way that you photograph your subjects as well as the way that the images are processed. And so for everybody listening in, we're going to actually get into Jenny's style here. And I guess really very simply, and you talked about this earlier, it feels very raw and uncontrived. Um, you know, we see a lot of kind of glossy perfection in wedding photography these days, these highly posed and, and again, contrived images. And a lot of photographers copy other photographers. So you just see a lot of the same thing. But what would you say has motivated you to produce this truly raw feeling in your photographic work? Well, do you want the long story or the short story? Let, we're, we're here for conversation, so go, go for the long story. <laughs> okay. Well, so about 10 years ago, I lived in this apartment, and underneath my apartment was this photographer's studio. And um, it turns out that I knew she was married to like a family friend, and he was my orthodontist. And so <laughs> we just kind of connected, and yeah. she took me under her wing and taught me because I always thought photography was just like backdrops and, you know, like the boring, lame stuff that you see. <laughs> with like No disrespect meant to any portrait studios listening in. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely improved since my idea of it anyway. Oh, no, I totally um, get that. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, like the 80s pictures that you see on your grandma's walls. Yeah. That's always just kind of what I thought about it. And so I saw this other photographer and I passed her every day going to my apartment 
And I was just like in awe of how playful and romantic and everything these images were. Her name is Diana Johnson. If you guys want to look her up, she's bomb. She's out of, um, I want to say Kansas City. She moved. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely link to her her stuff in the show notes. Yeah, but she inspired me huge. And I was like, okay. And it was when I was going to college and I couldn't decide what I was going to do. So I was like, I'm going to try this. And so she taught me everything she possibly could and uh, let me co- go on weddings with her and everything. And so that was like step one. She, st- she shot all digital. And then um, down the road, I kind of wanted to improve a little bit more. I, was ended- I ended up booking some of my own stuff, had a lot of family sessions that I started out with, started doing some weddings. Um, and then I wanted to fine tune it a bit more. So I hired Darcy Benagosta. Do you know her? No, I don't. Uh, she's a film photographer in Utah. Okay. And she offers mentoring and stuff. So uh, she was like, yeah, you can hire me even though you don't shoot film. That's totally fine. We'll just work together, do a shoot together. Da, da, da. So um, she let me borrow her film camera and I shot a roll of film and it was like the most satisfying thing ever. Mm. Just like each click is just like, mm. I don't know if you're a film photographer, you know, (laughs) it's just like so set and you don't know what you got and you just have to trust it. And you're just like, so in the moment um, because you're not looking at the back of your camera and you do the light meter like once or twice. And then you're just so, I don't know. So in the moment with it, it. that is very true. I'm I'm thinking to, I actually have a, a, a Yashica six by six medium format camera and some of my, I guess, favorite photographic experiences looking back uh, have been with that camera. I mean, as a whole, the idea of, you know, everything being completely manual and, and at least some cases anyway, putting in a tripod. So you're, you're being extremely intentional with every shot. I love that. Like you talk about the significance of being in the moment with that. I think it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it costs like $2 a shot. So you're like, well, we got to make this right. <laughs> yeah. No spraying and praying here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, after I did that, I was like, oh, I'm saving up for my contact 645. I'm doing that from now on. And then that just built on my brand. Um, so I shoot hybrid, so I'm digital and film Okay. probably half and half. And that's strictly because, um, in a wedding, if you shoot all film, you're not going to make any money. (laughs) And like you said, I don't think the clients really care that much. Um, but I also think that has a lot to do with the way that I edit. Um, I'll edit a film image and a digital image side by side. And then I'll come back like three or four times and be like, Oh, it's still too purple, like, or, you know, like the contrast is up too much or, so I'll come back and edit it a bunch of times before I'm ready to let it go. And still, I feel like I could edit it a million more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to actually ask you earlier about, about outsourcing. So do you kind of do your own editing work? I do my own editing. I send my film to PhotoVision. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and they do an amazing job. They will create a color profile for you so you can specify how you like your photos to look. Okay. And, um, every time they scan it in, they're pretty much ready to go. Like I'll go in and tweak them a little bit. Uh, but yeah, their turnaround time is great. And everything that they send back is stunning. So I think that the way that they, um, so I can't take all the credit for this (laughs) at all because the way that they edit their film in post-processing is 
phenomenal. And so I use a lot of my inspiration off of the photos that they give me back from film. Interesting. And, and I mean, I'm even on the homepage of your website now, and I'm scrolling through and I can see, I mean, you know, some of these images are a little bit more obviously digital than film, but they flow together really well. So I can, I can see what you're talking about and trying to keep a consistency in the look. Are you using a particular set of presets for your digital files to help match with the film? No, I wish it would be so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have like a collection of presets that I've purchased and they're just not, they don't match up. And Mm. so I just go in and and then I'll edit a section at a time and just kind of play with it. And I usually know, like I have a pretty good recipe for what it takes to get to that. Okay. But yeah, then I'll just go in and fine tune it a little bit. Well, again, it's it's beautiful stuff. So everybody listening in, you need to make sure you go check out Jenny's work and, and we'll link to both her Instagram and website in the show notes. But I think part of what is particularly appealing about your work, Jenny, to me anyway, is the the way that you're posing clients. Um, I, I, I think there is something to be said for posed imagery or portrait work, wedding day or otherwise. Um, but Again, a lot of times photographers these days are posing clients in such a way that it does feel very contrived. And of course, photographers are copying photographers. So a lot of it looks the same. Um, You're using posing techniques that aren't necessarily, I mean, from the outside looking in anyway, not necessarily unique per se, but they just feel a lot more natural. And I'm curious how you go about doing that. I mean, is it, is it the communication process while you're shooting? Do you have a particular way of physically posing them? What does what that process look like? Um, well, it's so nice that you said that. <laughs> that just makes my day. I'm like smiling from ear to ear because <laughs> that's the goal. Good. <laughs> so my process is kind of, yeah, communicate with them as much beforehand, but not really about posing. Okay. I think as long as they're com- confident and comfortable with me, then they're not afraid to be themselves. And you can say that you want to do these poses for a specific group or these poses, you know, like if you want to be romantic or playful, but then you meet them and they're not like that at all. Mm. And so it feels forced. So you kind of have to read the vibes and, and I have like a list of things that I always like to do. Like I like to do them standing side by side, them facing away, um, like facing each other, you know, just kind of like go down the list of those basics. And then I'll, Sometimes I'll tell them like an emotion to invoke, like you guys just got married. Like, how are you feeling? I just want you guys to take this time, be together. And sometimes I'll even step away for a few minutes and then like sneaky, come back and take a couple of photos. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'll just kind of be like, now just snuggle in or be kind of more specific about it. Like rather than just saying a hug tell them to give each other a big bear hug with a lot of movement, you yep. know, like, yep. <laughs> and if nothing else, they probably end up kind of laughing at, at the whole yeah. experience. And then you get raw emotion in that too. Exactly. One of my favorites is, um, smell her hair. <laughs> yeah. <was> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cause um, most guys are going to be like, well, that's so weird. And yet again, yeah. you got real emotion from them, even just by saying that thing. And then if you can kind of exactly. just encourage it a little bit more, I bet what you get out of those, the, the following images are, are lovely. Yeah. Sometimes they just laugh right at first and then they kind of sink into it and they're like, all right, your hair does smell good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. And then there are those other people who are like, I'm not smelling your hair, you weirdo. And then I'll get something out of that too. So hundred percent. But, but to go back to your original point though, and I, I want to emphasize this again, because I think it's so important. Uh, and again, especially important for photographers who consider themselves introverted 
the fact that you've taken the time ahead of time to communicate with them, to manage expectations proactively helps set your clients at ease so that when it comes to the actual photographic process, they're not nervous. They feel like they have an idea of what you're going to be doing, what you want, how you approach things. That helps make things easier for them. The nerves aren't as significant. And I I think that's a really wonderful reminder for everybody listening in. Yeah. And then maybe it's part of my meditation stuff too coming in because I know what I'm going to do so they can feel that. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. I, I think back to like one of the things that I, I would do with engagement sessions. I didn't like to plan, I guess, in very much contrast to what you're talking about. And 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 I, I've since realized the, uh, I guess, the, the problems innate to not planning just in my life in general. But there was something about going into an engagement session that I really enjoyed, which was not overly planning it and 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 just kind of being in the moment, and as you talk about, and photographing it as it happened. And yet, what that did was then it put me in a situation from time to time where I didn't have a great next move, whether it was picking the next location that we were photographing at, or you know what to do with them as far as a pose next, or whatever it might be. And that that creates a little bit of an, an, at least internal nervousness on my part, which probably doesn't translate very well to the way that I'm engaging with with the client. So. I, this is a really fascinating concept when you talk about meditating on the process ahead of time. And would you say, like, how much time would you say that you put into that? Are you, are you taking notes after you get done with that meditation process or does it all just kind of stay internal? No, I definitely sketch some stuff down. Uh, it might not make any sense and I don't read it later on, but it helps me to put it on paper. Okay. But it kind of depends what kind of shoot I'm doing and if it's a new location and if it's people that um, I've met before or not. Usually if I met them before, I pretty much know sure. like what to expect and how their vibe is going to be. Probably, I don't know. I'm doing a wedding, like a four-hour wedding on Saturday, and I've already spent two hours, and this morning I did some. And really? so I'll probably do like some Friday and then some before the wedding as well. My word, that is that is really fascinating. Now, is this something that you picked <laughs> up from somewhere else, somebody else, or just kind of something you realized would make a difference for you? How did you come up with it in the first place? It just helped me be more confident. Hmm. I was just like as much as I can plan beforehand because I was so nervous. And um, I'm also a yoga teacher. So okay. I feel like that might help because yeah. you don't go into teaching a yoga class and being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I know I know some stuff, but we'll yep. see what happens, <laughs> you know? Yep. And then you realize that you're like turned around from everybody else. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if there's any yoga teachers listening, but um, I think it all kind of goes hand in hand goes together. That absolutely makes sense. That is really fascinating. And, but, you know, honestly, even for me, it's a good reminder about the significance of even if it's sitting down for 10, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, I, I enjoy the process of just general meditation anyway. Um, but there is something to be said for not you know going wide open hundred miles an hour all the time, but actually taking the time to take a step back, sit down, take a deep breath, close our eyes, be in the moment and, and process a little bit or, as they would say, kind of traditionally, empty your mind, if you will. I mean, Michael Singer, that book that we talked about, Untethered Soul, he talks about the significance of seeing those thoughts out, acknowledging them and then seeing them out. Creating that that quiet space is really great too, but but um, then the intentionality and, and pre-visualizing the experience that you're about to have, I'm going to have to experiment with this. This is really interesting to me. <laughs> I really thought this was something that people did, so it's kind of funny that 
I, I don't know. I've never really shared it because I've been like, ooh, you know, like what if they don't do it? And it's weird. So it's kind of cool to talk to you about it. No, it's it's interesting. And I think I'm sure we have kind of a mix of personalities. A lot of photographers are more those kind of stereotypical artist types who are not so much about structure and planning. So the idea of taking, you know, I mean, you said already for a four hour wedding, which in and of itself is quite fascinating to me that you spent at least a couple hours already going through this process. Um, I I don't think that that naturally comes to a lot of photographers. The idea that they would plan for that extended you know extensive period of time. They're, oh, for our wedding, it's quick, it's easy. I'm just going to go in and shoot and make it happen and get it done. Um, but again, I can only imagine the mental space that you exist in, even for a short wedding like that. Having taken the time to pre visualize it, this is this is really interesting stuff for sure. I, I want to get into <laughs> the. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can just kind of outline for our for our listeners. If you were to sum up what has actually made the difference in creating this style, can you break down the primary steps you took to developing the shooting editing style that we see on your site on Instagram? Uh, can you break that down for us in detail? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I think step one is definitely communication. Communication with the clients. Communication um, with wardrobe location, timeline, photographing beautiful people in a beautiful place wearing beautiful clothing, you know, (laughs) anything that you can to put it all together. Second is probably my pre-planned meditation and visioning process. Um, Yeah, that really helps me. And it's not just like, you know, like cross-legged, closed eyes (laughs) doing that. And uh, yeah. it's really just thinking about it and maybe showing up to the location beforehand and really being like, Oh, this is a great spot to photograph. I'm definitely going to use this place. You know, it doesn't have to be like as dramatic as what I do. (laughs) It just makes me a little bit more comfortable. And then if it goes off, it's not, um, I'm really not like super structured either. And I think that's why I need this because I'm very floaty and free spirited and, you know, so it definitely helps ground me. Step three, on site, I like to go a little bit beforehand and create a game plan. So um, showing up to a wedding maybe an hour early and just kind of vibing it out and then deciding like what the crops are going to be, what the light is going to be like, my framing. And then... um, And you're thinking about that as you're going, like as you're walking around the property? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like taking mental pictures in my head and placing little stick figures in those areas. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That makes sense. And then, um, and then while I'm shooting them, I'll shoot film and digital and just kind of direct kind of minimally and give them their space, um, so that they can be as natural and organic without me feeling like paparazzi, you know? Yeah. That's, that's an interesting way actually to put it. I I don't think I've had any guests on the podcast say it quite like that. Don't be a paparazzi. When we think about paparazzi, we think of somebody who's just, annoyingly in our face literally figuratively like the, they're just ever present and they won't leave us alone and on a wedding day of all times that is the last thing that at least most clients anyway would certainly want and or need uh the last thing that we need to be is paparazzi that's a great way to frame it <laughs> thanks it also hit me um my baby even notices when there's a camera in front of him he's like totally different. I can make him laugh and laugh and laugh. And then I put the camera up and he stops laughing. (laughs) I'm like trying to be super discreet. (laughs) So, I mean, if it happens in babies, it definitely happens in adults. For sure. And yeah, you just, all of a sudden you're just like, what do I do with my hands? Somebody's watching. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So yeah, giving them space. Um, And then step four is probably the edit 
um, film and digital side by side, come back three or four times and just really fine tune the gallery as a whole and make sure that it coincides with my images as well. Sometimes I'll export like three or four just to send to the bride or groom and I'll put it up next to some of my other favorite images and be like, does this, is this cohesive with everything else that I'm doing? And is it something that I want to like showcase? And if not, then I need to hit the Lightroom again. Okay. So you're using Lightroom. That Lightroom is our primary tool at Photographers Edit, my editing company. And, and even with our clients who do shoot hybrid, we'll use Lightroom. Of course, it enables us to be able to, to have points of reference as far as the, the way that the film images were photographed, for example, or and or processed. Um, so you're using Lightroom as well for your process. Are you just kind of putting it all in one big catalog and going through them all at once? Or what does that look like? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So I'll get my film images and then I'll highlight those film blue so that I know that they're actually film because sometimes I pretty much nail it and like not trying to do my own horn, but I'm like, is this film or digital? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, so I highlight the film blue and then I just put them all in one folder. So I'll just do like Peggy and Andrew's um, wedding or something. And then, um, then I'll just edit it by section. So I'll just do like getting ready. I'll do that one afternoon and then I'll do like, you know, just go throughout little parts of the day to edit. And I was taking notes as you were talking here and, and really, I, I don't think I did a very great job of asking the question or setting up the question, um, you know, to break the fourth wall a little bit. I, I sent Jenny some notes ahead of time as I do with all my guests, just so they have an idea of the direction of the conversation and, and it makes it easier for everybody listening in to listen. And the way that I actually framed it, when I sent you that question, Jenny, was that, you know, it's one thing to have an idea of a particular style. I think a lot of photographers get an idea of the style in their head that they want to, to, to represent their brand. But it's another thing to actually translate it. So the significance or part of the significance of these steps that you just shared is actually taking an idea and making it tangible, making it real and, and acting on it. So the first step you talked about communication. Of course, we, we discussed managing expectations proactively. I think that's huge. Uh, the second thing, pre-visualization or meditation process, which I'm really stuck on. I think I, I want to not just want, I'm going to implement this in my life in some way, shape or form, because <laughs> I think I'm just going to be that much better a person, not just flying by the seat of my pants, going into a situation and hoping I'm going to make it work. I've done that way too much in my life and I'm almost 41 and, and you'd think I would have learned and would know better now. Um, so I think that's a really great reminder for people. The third thing was creating a game plan, um, by scouting location, which I think is great. This is something I used to do when I was shooting weddings and it really does make a difference because if you only have five, 10, 15 minutes, maybe even to photograph a portrait, the portraits for the bride and groom and you know, the, the wedding coordinator is on your tail and, and wanting you to get stuff done and family's interrupting and you got to work quickly. Having taken the time to do that, um, uh, really can make a big difference. It's efficiency. And then that fourth step, editing with with Lightroom. And, and of course, you shared a little bit of your process. I do have one question about that. When you, you said you don't have a one particular preset that you're using, but how have you gone about matching film grain um, with your digital images or between your digital images and the film images? Just on the grain specifically? Yeah, yeah. Because it can be, you know, sometimes you can, you can look at a digital image. And of course, if it doesn't have that grain, it, it's pretty obvious it's digital. Um, but if yeah. you, if you're trying to emulate that look and feel, maybe it's a little bit more of a complicated process. What does it look like for you? Um, well, it's not, maybe it should be more complicated. <laughs> oh, if it's simple, <laughs> that's just... even better. <laughs> um, no, I'll just kind of eyeball it and then I'll okay. zoom in a little bit and that's it. That's cool. 
Well, I, you know, this has been a, um, a really wonderful conversation. I, I truly have so much respect for your, your photographic style, both the, the shooting and the editing. And I think all of our listeners will, will stand to gain by taking some time, going and looking at your work. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But will you just remind our listeners what your website and Instagram are? Yes. Uh, my website is jennylosey.com, J-E-N-N-Y-L-O-S-E-E. And then my Instagram is Jenny Lowe C with an underscore at the end. Perfect. Yeah. We'll definitely put those in the show notes. And for those listening in, if you don't take advantage of show notes, at least check them out every once in a while. Haley does a great job of putting together the show notes from each episode. If you go to bocapodcast.com, you can see that the talking points, the resources, links, et cetera. Uh, of course, if you use a podcast app with show notes built in, you can take advantage of them there as well. But thanks once again, Jenny, for making time for all of us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at BocaPodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.